Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. The Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. New features like the available Pro Access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo, including when towing a trailer, so it's easier to load in tight spaces. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro Access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show seven days a week from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, myself and Bully Ray break down Monday Night Raw, especially that segment with Cody Rhodes and Paul Heyman that ended Raw last night. Bully and I also talked to WWE referee Jessica Carr right now on the Busted Open Podcast. What struck you from that ending of Monday Night Raw last night, Bully? After the segment was over and after Raw was over, I threw up a tweet. And I threw up the same tweet that I put out about two or three months ago. The tweet was, do you believe in Cody Rhodes? By the way, the the uh, the, the the poll is over with. 80% of the people, yes, I believe in Cody Rhodes. Great, great numbers for Cody. Still, I believe it's probably up a percent or two since the last time I threw up a poll. But as God is my witness, Dave, what I really wanted to say in the in the tweet was, do you fear Cody Rhodes? Because last night, Cody put himself in a situation where I thought he could impose himself and strike the, some fear in Heyman's heart. So much fear that Heyman would have to report back to Rock and Roman in a much different way in which he did. I didn't get that fear from Cody last night. That's what I wanted to see. I wanted, I know Cody raised his voice. I know Cody Rhodes hit some, a couple of people with chairs the security or the New York's, the retired cops or whatever the frick they were. But what I really wanted was for Cody for the first time to strike real fear in somebody. And that somebody was Paul Heyman. And the moment in time came when Heyman was trying to get in the ring. You know, Cody said, if anybody takes one more step towards me in this ring, I'm going to crack this steel chair over them or whatever. And Heyman, being Paul Heyman, said, well, I guess you don't mean me, me. And he stepped toward the ring. In that moment, Dave, I wanted Cody Rhodes 
to step right towards Haman and put the edge of that chair right up against Haman's head, like the barrel of a gun to the side of somebody's head, right up against Haman's temple, and say, with all due respect, Mr. Haman, and as my father, as my witness, who had a lot of respect for you because you did so much for him, if you move a muscle, I will crack this chair right over your head. I will split your skull open, and then I'll, give, I'll really give you something to call Roman and the Rock about. That's fear. That's dropping your voice, much like you said only did. That's talking right to Paul. The, the barrel of the chair right up against the temple. Cody talking down to Paul while Paul has that look in his eyes of, oh my God, if I even flinch, this kid is going to wrap this chair around my skull. Send a message of fear for the first time. I didn't get that fear last night. I wish I would have. Yeah, and that's and bully, my opinion on that. No, bully, I I agree with you because did I think the segment between Heyman and Cody was good? It was. It was good. It got the crowd riled up. They were into it. It was a it was a fine way to end a Monday night road Monday night raw on the road to WrestleMania. But I didn't think the segment was great in the fact that it was memorable or it grabbed me. What you're saying right now would have been memorable and would have grabbed me. And there was a point verbally, like you were saying, when like when Heyman thought, hey, I, I can I, I can walk into this ring. I can do whatever I want. And he said, no. When Cody said no, I was like, all right, it's on. Like that. But then you got after that, the cookie cutter, you know, you know, indie wrestler security guards coming into the ring and co you know, hitting him. The guy's bent over. He hit him in the back with the chair. You kick the other guy. He's bent over. He hit him in the back with the chair. Like we've seen that a thousand times before to the point wherever I see a security guard, you know, it's going to happen. So it has zero effect on me as a viewer. And zero response from the live audience. Agreed. The, the only he thing that the, the, the oh. only response Cody got from the chair is when he threw the chair at the African American security guard and it hit him in the head like Van Dam or Sabu used to throw a chair at a guy's head because it looked so brutal and vicious. Otherwise, been there, done that, seen it. Don't even care because I don't care about the security guards. They never posed a threat. No, they never posed a threat. So if they don't pose a th real threat to Cody other than just standing there, why the hell should I care if Cody beats the shit out of them? I expect Cody to beat the shit out of them. You didn't need that last night. What you needed was Cody to instill fear in Heyman's heart. This way, when he raised those phones up, he was shaking. He was a, He would have been a mess. For the first time, Heyman is a mess because of Cody. And he has to go report back to the tribal chief and to the rock. 
Could you imagine Heyman this third this uh, Friday night on SmackDown reporting back to them, and he's a stumbling, bumbling, stuttering mess where they have to calm him down? What's wrong? What's wrong, uh, wise man? And then Paul even has trouble re uh, remembering what had happened because there was so much fear in him. He, he, he uh, you know, he, 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 my tribal chief, he, he, he took the edge of the, of the chair and he, he put it up against my head and, and, and he said he was going to send you a message totally shaken to the point where Roman is now looking at Rock and Rock is looking at Roman and they're both looking at Heyman. And just through those words and those actions, Cody would have sent a message to the bloodline. Now, I did like the last line. Remember, Dave, the last thing that they see is what they're going to remember. At least the last line of the night, to me, saved the segment. The bloodline is not hunting me. I'm hunting the bloodline. And that's and that's what people are going to remember. And it was a great way to, to end that show. And again, you had... Heyman on the entrance ramp, like calling Roman and calling the rock, but it was more of like, almost like you wait and see for Friday. I would, I love your idea a lot better where it's like, he's doing that with fear in his eyes. Like, Holy shit. I underestimated this kid. Like I'm actually afraid for my own safety and maybe even the tribal chief and the rock at this point. Now, maybe we'll get that because we do have a lot more weeks before we get to WrestleMania 40. But I'm, I'm sorry. I'm at the point now, Bully, when I see those security guards, it, it, it just it does absolutely nothing for me. And while he's holding the chair to Heyman's head, he tells Heyman, tell your security to get out of the ring. Because if they don't get out of the ring... I'm going to wrap this steel chair around your head. And Heyman has to tell the security guys to get out of the way. Cody holds Heyman hostage. Cody is now manning the fuck up and sending messages. The physicality means nothing. It gets you no, I don't like, I'm not like, yeah, Cody's an ass kicker for this. I wanted cerebral last night. I wanted Cody to be able to get into Heyman's head like Heyman can get every uh, into everybody else's head. You wanted by what I was way, saying by, about by Ole the way, Anderson. I sent Paul Heyman a tweet this morning. Since Heyman decided to respond to my tweet, I retweeted Paul Heyman and invited him on today. So, Paul Heyman, if you're out there, between the hours of 9 a.m. and noon Eastern time, the number is on the tweet, 877-344-4893. Love to talk to you, wise man. Would love it. And and him beating the security guards don't mean anything because Heyman doesn't care about those security guards. Heyman doesn't care about those police from New York that he brought in. There's no personal connection with them. So the fact that Cody beat the hell out of him doesn't really mean anything at all. So, listen, again, I thought it was a good segment bully last night but it wasn't a memorable segment but you hit the nail right on the head that last line you're gonna hear that echo all the way till we get to philadelphia at wrestlemania 40 that clip is gonna play each and every show each and every week before we get to philadelphia because it's like you said 
It's the end that you always remember. And the fact that he says, I'm hunting the bloodline, you're going to remember that all the way till the main event of night number two at WrestleMania 40. And that line brought the segment up to good for me. Without that line, I would have said the segment was fair. But they left me with something strong and solid and memorable, so it brought it to good. Now, Friday, we're going to hear from The Rock. So I'm very interested in what The Rock is going to have to say, Bully, because, again, right now, this story really isn't about Roman. I mean, we're going to get there. But it's really, wouldn't you agree right now, it's more about Cody and The Rock? And it almost feels like Roman's been pushed aside a little right now on this road to WrestleMania, which which he has never been on this entire run as your undisputed WWE Universal Champion. He has never been the third guy. I feel like right now Roman's the third guy. The match between Roman and Cody is set. We know we're getting them night two at Mania. Now they have to establish what's going to go on night one because I think night one is going to have massive ramifications on night two based on Cody's challenge to The Rock. If The Rock accepts, based on the story they're telling us right now, we might get Rock, Cody, night one. Rock, uh, I'm sorry, Cody, Roman, night two. Could this change into a tag match? Absolutely. Could we be getting Rock and Roman versus Cody and Seth? Night one? Sure. Go back to the commercial. Why would you shoot the commercial for WrestleMania the way you did with all four men converging on one another? It's not like we're getting Rock versus Seth and Cody versus Roman in two singles matches where two singles guys are coming at one another. The underlying tone message of that WrestleMania commercial tells me we might be getting a tag match night one. That's, that's the, that's the way I'm reading between the lines. Yeah. I, I, that's to me a bit of a letdown over. A, I would much rather see a singles match between Cody and the rock than a tag match with all four. I know the star power is there. I get it, but I much rather see a singles match between these two, especially now because it's gotten so personal between the Cody and rock scenario. And Cody has brought up the smack to the face twice now. Yes. Talking about Rocky smacking him in the face. Remember what I said last week on the show, Dave? I need to see Cody receipt the rock. I want to see Cody haul off and smack the taste out of the rock's mouth. I'd like to see the rock do a shot of his own Terramana and get popped right in the kisser and have to spit it all over the place. These are the things that Cody needs to be doing on the way. He needs to be fighting fire with fire. Well, maybe Cody shows up on Friday. We know The Rock is going to be there on Friday. It's advertised. Maybe Cody needs to show up on SmackDown Friday night. Now, Cody put the challenge out there to The Rock about him having a match. 
is there any way this match could take place before we get to WrestleMania? Cody's challenge wasn't at WrestleMania. He said, between now and WrestleMania, I want to have a match with you. Could we possibly get this on a Friday night SmackDown? I believe that there's only one place. Well, I'll say two. I know where the, the last two Monday night Raws are. And let's double check this, Kelly or Andre, please. Let's make sure that they're both Raws and not one Raw and one SmackDown. Last two weeks moving into Mania is Chicago and Brooklyn. Yes. I'm not sure if they're both Raws or if one is a Raw and one is a SmackDown. I know definitely the Brooklyn show is a Raw. Okay, so they're, they're probably both Raws. What if you were to get, and, and I don't think this is going to happen, what if you got Cody versus Rock in Brooklyn? I, I think that would be tremendous. I, 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 I don't think, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm sure it's already probably close to a sellout as it is right now. They're selling out everywhere. Um, My God, 20,000 last night for Monday Night Raw. They're... That's attitude error numbers. I mean, th- th- we're not that far removed, Bully, where they had to curtain off the upper tiers for Monday Night Raw. That is that is not the case anymore. Um, I, I would I imagine that. Imagine you advertised The Rock and Cody for that Monday Night Raw in Brooklyn. But where should Rock versus Cody happen? Should it happen in a Monday Night Raw or should it happen on the first night of WrestleMania? It should happen the first night of WrestleMania. And what is your confidence level in The Rock in a singles match? That's where you could get away with having it on a Monday Night Raw or a SmackDown because you could have a main event match between those two and it'd be a quick match. And then no, absolutely. You don't think so? On, hey. on a Raw or a SmackDown? No, no, I think, no. I think, I think for a main event match, night number one of WrestleMania, you have to give that time. I don't know if you have to do it on a TV show. Dave, you cannot advertise The Rock versus Cody Rhodes on TV and give them a one. It's a three-segment match, four segments with entrances. Wow, then that's asking a lot. That's asking a lot from The Rock. Well, you're not. You're going to be asking the same thing of him in a singles match against Cody. That's why I think they're going to insulate and protect him with the tag, is which is any- smart business. Yeah, but then why then- isn't Sting having a singles match in his re- in his retirement match? I'm sure because he probably can't. He probably doesn't feel confident enough to give a long match because he knows it's the main event. He knows that's what everybody bought, bought a ticket to see. And I'm sure that's probably has to do with the judgment of having it as a tag match. But, but here's my point though, bully is if you're going to do a tag match, you can't have the challenge of, you can't tease a Cody rock match right now. They're, they're dangling a Cody rock singles match in front of you. Yeah. But that, that's the first that's the the first domino. That's the first co- connecting. That's the first dot. That's the, the seed planted. Of course, Cody is going to challenge The Rock. Cody's not going to go out there from Jump Street and go, uh, me and Seth challenge The Rock and Roman. That wouldn't make sense. It makes sense for since he got smacked in the face for Cody to challenge Rock. Now Rock comes out on SmackDown to answer and he goes, 
Oh, you want The Rock. You think you're such a big star. You want The Rock. You're not a big enough star to be in the ring with The Rock, blah, 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 blah. But this is bloodline business. You you insulted my family. It's my family versus you, Cody, and you can find somebody. Then it morphs into the tag. All right, could you do this? I'm just throwing this out there. Now we got to take a break. Could you do this, Bully? Could you have, let's just use as an example, that Monday Night Raw in Brooklyn. 9.30, or, you know, I'm sorry, 10.30, come back from commercial break, Cody entrance, Rock entrance, or vice versa, another break, have about a 15-minute match between Cody and The Rock, and it ends with just, like, the bloodline gets involved, Seth and everything. And it's just a schmoz at the end of that match, which leads to a tag match night number one of WrestleMania. Could you do that? Could you? Yes. But when you put that match on at the end of the night, you just suggested the 1030 hour, but not at the 1030 uh, slot, mm-hmm. right? People know that 11 o'clock, the, 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 the book is going to close on that match. I would rather see that match go in the ring at like 10 where you're not quite sure when it's going to end. AEW does a very good job of this when it comes to manipulating how what people think about how long a match will go. They'll put a match on in a weird time slot so you can't say, oh, well, this is going to be over by you know this time because that's when they go off the air or that's the crossover. So you know it's going to end up by 11 unless the WWD is an overrun. And to be honest with you, Dave, if you're going to have The Rock wrestle, you have The Rock wrestle on the biggest stage that there is, which is WrestleMania. We're just kind of spitballing ideas here. I'm just wondering how we're going to get to what we're eventually going to get. Yo, what's going on, everybody? It's Bully Ray. Do you know who I am? I talk pro wrestling, and I play rock and roll. Yeah! Every Wednesday night, as soon as AEW Dynamite ends, I'm bringing you instant reactions with the Busted Open Nation. It's Wednesday. You know what that means. The only place to party is Busted Open After Dark with me, Uncle Bully, starting at 10 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation 156 and on the SiriusXM app. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Placing a trade shouldn't be complicated. It should be smooth as butter. The Fidelity app makes investing easy with zero commission U.S. stock and ETF trades, no account minimums, and fractional shares trading. Fidelity where nothing comes between you and the trade. That's smooth. Download our app free from the App Store or Google Play. Sell orders are subject to an activity assessment fee from $0.01 cent to $0.03 cents per $1,000 of principal. No account minimums apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. 
At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. We bring in Jessica Carr for a first time ever on Busted Open. Jessica, thank you so much for the time. We truly appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Another first time ever. Here we go. It's there you Tuesday go. I morning. mean, you're just collecting them. I hope you have a big box to collect all these first time moments because you're doing a ton. This past weekend, Elimination Chamber, uh, first ever female referee for Elimination Chamber. So, like, all the. What what's it like, seriously, Jessica? Because I know it's a lot. First to to make it, and then just making all these moments happen for yourself. Um, if anything, I'm grateful that we really don't notice it anymore. Right, that it's kind of like an expected thing now that a woman is a referee in a WWE ring, that it doesn't have to be constantly noted or celebrated or this or that. Like, of course. You know, Michael Cole uh, mentioned it this past weekend, but the fact that I'm in there every SmackDown, that Daphne LaShawn's there every Raw, it's not this um, big ordeal anymore, and it's an expected thing to see in the WWE. So I'm glad that that is something that I've been able to uh, do. And, you know, as a kid growing up at 10 years old loving this, to make history in the company that you idolized and to work with people that you idolized. Uh, it's very, very cool. And I never lose that gratitude. Jessica, how does a referee like yourself or any other referee in the WWE become better at what they do? Who do you go to? Who educates you? Who smartens you up? If anything, it's a little bit of the talent that you're working with. Of course, when experienced talent or veterans, I like to, talk to anyone that's around, especially when, you know, John Cena is around or an undertaker's around. I want to ask them when they were actively working, who did you like working with as a referee and why? Like those are the things and how can I add to a story? But a lot of the time it's your veteran referees that are on the brand itself that, you know, with that's Charles Robinson for my SmackDown crew, Charles, Dan Engler, Jason Ayers, um, the, those guys, I, I, I'm so grateful for their support because walking in as a woman, you know, you can have maybe be expected that, Oh, this it's, you know, it's a, it's a man's game, this or that, but it's never been that way. It's always been very supportive. How can we help each other or give each other um, different experiences last year? Um, time has no meaning anymore. So I guess it was last year or the year before that. I don't know, but uh, John Cena was around for that tag match at the end of uh, end of the year for SmackDown. And it was a big match. It was a tag match. Any of those guys could have, stood up and said, Hey, I want this match. But they were like, Hey, you haven't got to work with John. Let's make sure that you have that opportunity rather than taking it for themselves. So. So how was that experience refing a match uh, that John Cena was in? So got to do that tag match. And then also with um, uh, the Saudi Arabia, I think crown jewel him and solo recently. So we, we all can kind of understand that he doesn't have a lot of, matches left right so run a lot less than he's you know done so far so to have that opportunity to be in there with someone again that 
I waited in line to meet <laughs> for meet and greets, you know, is, is one thing, but then to, to listen and to the crowd and then his responses to see how his movements and um, how he works the cameras or the, the calmness and control that he has in the ring um, is, and also the fact of using the referee in general um, is not something that a lot of people do nowadays. So I value being able to contribute in that way as well with working with him too. I'm very critical of refereeing in all companies and keeping credibility on referees because the referee is a very important part of the match. Have you ever found yourself in a position where you felt like your credibility was being put in a in a weird spot where you've ha- where you've had to be very vocal with a wrestler and say, "Hey, listen, I'm I look bad in this moment." And how do you deal with that situation with said wrestler yeah so actually this would probably come up more often than you would anticipate in that talent wrestlers producers everyone has an objective and whatever the business of the match is so they don't necessarily think about how a referee's perspective is whether that is a count on the outside whether that's a count anything so more often than not, I do try to contribute to, hey, can you just maybe here, you guys are on the outside a little too long. Can you come inside? Can you break it here? Um, and uh, I try to contribute as much as much as possible if I just listening to the run through of a match ahead of time. Um, I always will say my piece. There's some times where it's like, ah, that just, we, it's, it's fine. We got it. No worries. We'll take the heat for it, whatever. Um, but with that perspective of I always like to at least be vocal and say my piece and then because that's my perspective and that's how I feel but everyone is actually very um understanding of that they want to hear it they want to make the match better they want to keep the credibility of the referee um and they always please and, and that's also with different ideas different transitions um I love being able to contribute anyway because I, I, I love this very much and being a wrestler previously it's very much still in my soul of that creativeness. And if I can add value to any little idea or transition or make a match better then I want to do that. So how talking about transition, talk about the transition from being an in-ring performer as a wrestler to now being a referee. So I wrestled for about seven years and then, um, you know, trained with Bubba and Devon at team 3d Academy um, and thankfully through their training, I also was able to get ref experience in because we do training matches. And so we trade off, we wrestle and we also, uh, referee. So going into my tryout as a wrestler, um, I had that experience being able to, you know, it, not, not having the expectation from them of, oh, she's going to be perfect refereeing, but because I wasn't a hundred percent of what I did all the time, but okay, there's potential here that she, she gets it, she understands the position, she understands the role, she looks the part, all those things. And so if I hadn't have had that knowledge at Team 3D, maybe I wouldn't have been at the right place at the right time, um, especially since I had my try timing too, right? February 2017, I uh, had my tryout. May Young Classic was July of 2017 of what they really wanted that first female rep to be um, and take that role. So um, and it was, you know, new, a challenge, different. And I love, I love that, but, 
Um, I remember one of my first matches and it was literally a dark match to a taping. So it was not a high stress situation, but of course you're stressed. You're in front of people, you're, you're new at this. And Scott Armstrong was doing the timing and he was in my ear and he's going, okay, breathe, take a breath. You're fine. Guess what? No one's looking at you. It's going to be fine. I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. (laughs) And it just made it that much better because as the referee, yes, you're not, um, in the spotlight, the center of attention, you're aiding to the story. You're not the story. Um, but I value in being able to help guys and girls, um, of being that calming voice of being, uh, a help helpful in any situation and having talent. Trust me is a big one for me that I really, uh, admire. So Jessica, when new talent comes into the WWE and they go through NXT, they're given a list of names in which they can choose from first names and last names because the WWE wants to be able to own, you know, the, you know, you and your name and trademark it and copyright it and all that great stuff. You mm-hmm. chose the last name Carr. For those who don't know, can you explain to us why you chose the last name Carr? Absolutely. So uh, at Team 3D Academy, we have a wonderful strength and conditioning coach named uh, Dan Carr. And um, the strength and conditioning of Team 3D was definitely, I, I can't even put it into words, the physical but mental um, struggle and challenge that that is, in, especially in Kissimmee of or, uh, Orlando, Florida, hot, no AC. Um, but his his philosophy very much of telling your body what it's going to do and having that mental toughness, which you can apply to professional wrestling, but you can apply to life and the endless amounts of uh, knowledge and help that he provided, Dan Carr provided. It was a no brainer uh, for me to use that last name. And uh, I had to pick it because <laughs> for, for, uh, for funsies, I had two options on the table. I don't know if I ever told you this, but you might yell at me at this point, but I don't know. I had Carr or, or Callaway, and as a huge Undertaker, Mark, <laughs> I had to pick Carr, though. <laughs> it was like, pop, pop. Bully would kill me. He would kill well, me. Well, you know, I, I think I think choosing the next last name Carr was, uh, you know, a throwback, you know, showing respect to Dan Carr, who basically took you when you first stepped in and you were you were much heavier at the time and you desired to be in much better shape. Under Dan's tutelage, you lost a significant amount of weight and got yourself probably into the best shape you were in until you left the Team 3D Academy. Oh, 100%. When I was going in for my trial, I was the the lightest I had ever been in my adult life. Uh, Growing up in high school, you know, I was 240 plus pounds, wasn't an athlete. It was what wrestling is what, you know, inspired me to change my life, to become an athlete, to pursue a life of health in general. So just thinking about that story in general of where I would have been if I hadn't have pursued a career of professional wrestling, I don't know, you know, eating bonbons somewhere, <laughs> not, not confident, but yeah, Dan got me into the best shape of my life without a doubt. And, but I won't say that after leaving team 3d, you know, I didn't struggle then too, because at the time I, you told me at one point, like, you've gotten too small. You've lost too much weight right before I got hired. And I was doing so unsustainably. I wasn't eating very much at all. And I had to actually, for a period of time, eat quite a bit more to lose again. And now I, I'm right actually at the weight I was when I got hired. Um, and it's much more healthy now. And I'm just in a better mind 
mind frame in general. I do my own nutrition coaching too online, um, part-time, you know, so it's, uh, it's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> well, it always seems like you're in motion, like you're always active doing this interview. You're even moving as we're talking. Um, <laughs> I'm actually getting nauseous <laughs> doing this interview because you've just been constantly moving back and forth. But uh, but Jessica, like for you, you've had a lot of full circle moments in your career. And I was just joking. You don't have to stop moving. Um, but it would be nice. <laughs> um, you've had a lot of full circle. That's Dave being passive aggressive, Jessica. I that's got the it. Point I in the sh- it. That's the point in the show where I point out to everybody his passive aggressiveness. Oh, you're moving. You're moving. It's bothering me. Oh, but no, you don't, you don't really have to stop. But yes, it's but kind it's, of bothering me. But it's not. But it is. But it's yeah. not. <laughs> no, Jessica, Sorry, you, that's okay. Do You do you. Um, you've had a lot of, of full circle moments in your career. Talk about like today, like being interviewed by Bully. Like talk about somebody that you've had trained you a big part of your early career, you know, what's it like now being at a point in your career where you're asked to be a guest on this show? Um, I, I said, you know, that message to you, it would mean a lot to me to, to do this. It was, um, I, I just want to do the people well that helped me out that, that trained me, that helped me, that, saw something in me or maybe didn't at first, <laughs> but, but then, but then through hard work, I, I just want them to be proud. I want bully to be proud of me, which I think I've done well, but I always want to do more. Um, and even to the point of, you know, I look back and I took a photo with Charles Robinson at the Baltimore arena when I was like 16 or 15. And now uh, this past December or, Yes, December. Again, time has no meaning. Um, I worked a show with him in the same arena and we took a photo in the exact same spot to the point where like the TV truck was in the exact same spot under the window. That's so cool. That's so cool. So <laughs> um, to, you know, you can name them all, uh, whether that's with Cena or Edge or um, or Randy, all these people that I waited to meet uh, for autographs and now that not only know my name, but have worked with me and respect me. And that's, that's a big deal for me Um, to be, to really have no connection to anyone in the industry to take my hand and go here, here you go. This is the end. Here's your door. Come on in Um, to really start from the ground floor of waiting outside of arenas to how do I make this pay for my, pay my bills and to now have bought a home um, from professional wrestling, uh, on top of just having the respect again of the people that trained me is, uh, is very special to me that I don't take for granted. That's awesome. Uh, I, I put you over every chance I get on social media. Cause I am proud of you as being one of our most successful students, not just because you've, uh, achieved, you know, a level of success in WWE, but you, you know, you fulfilled your destiny. You, you know, you, you, this was your dream. This is what you wanted to do. You got yourself in the right physical shape. You got yourself in the right mental shape. It's, it's seeing how the training pays off for any one particular person. And it paid off for you. You might not have understood it in the beginning. You might've thought it was too difficult in the beginning. You might've thought you were getting your ass kicked for no reason in the beginning, but now you see how important the training is 
from day one. And Dave, this is a conversation we always have on the show about where does the where is the real problem in pro wrestling? I say it's at day one at the wrestling school. The foundation that, that you're creating. Correct. Jessica, were you trained the right way mentally and physically to prepare yourself for where you are today? Oh, yes. I couldn't. I can't even explain to you. The physical is one thing without a doubt, but it's I can't press to you the mental aspect of it because you guys were very honest, both of you and Devon, of when you walk into school, the likelihood of you and the likelihood of you making it is very slim. And that's day one. It's not a it's not a, uh, you know, painting this picture of 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 sunshine and rainbows and everything's going to be great. And you're going to make millions of dollars. No, the, the it's very clear that the likelihood of making it from day one is, is slim. But if you put in that work, it's the key. And coming from a place of doing promos in front of you and being scared out of your mind as as he's pacing back and forth and not even watching, uh, I, I say all the time, like, no one in the WWE has scared me more than Bubba <laughs> of going back, you know, to training. And I just feel that being able to conquer that intimidation early on or being able to conquer those mental hurdles early on, whether it's jumping on a box or whatever else, um, being able to conquer those things early only helps in your success moving forward. And, and Dave, just the, the reasoning for that is, I believe in my students that they all can make it. Is that realistic? No, but it's like, in my mind, if we train them the right way, they can make it. And if you can get past the level of intimidation, I am going to breathe down on you. You will be able to stand in front of Vince McMahon one day. And that was the goal because if you can survive this school and this level of training, you will be mentally and physically prepared to stand tall before the man. You know, not not to quote a movie, but I will. It's like, if you can't take the abuse from me, how are you going to take the abuse on a set? Like, if, if you're not going to be able to do it behind closed doors in a room with just a few people, how are you going to be able, Jessica, like what you did this past weekend and performing in, over, in front of over 50,000 people, like... You know, I'm I'm listening to your words, and this is incredible. It's such an incredible story, and I can I can't congratulate you enough on it. But like you talking about having anxiety in the Team 3D Academy in a school setting, and now you're performing in front of over fifty thousand people. Like that's amazing to be able to go from where you started to where you are right now. Yeah, and, and just having that confidence, especially at this level where I am. There's very little. Um, little that you can do ahead of time to, to, to prep and plan. So you're literally thrown into the fire of just having to have that confidence of no matter what happens in the next few minutes, um, I'm going to be able to conquer whatever comes at me, just knowing that. Have you ever had your ass chewed by anybody in the WWE? Have you ever had uh, as grueling of a moment in WWE as you've had in the school? It has uh, not no, honestly. Tell not. me about your worst day on the job. Uh, it would have had to have been probably during Thunderdome era. Um, and it was, and again, this is why I'm so uh, critical of my 10 counts now. Uh, but at the time, it was because of the fact that, uh, especially that the crowd, there was no crowd, it was very quiet. And so the lack of a 10 count or the was was apparent if you weren't counting or if it was right at that nine should have been a 10 count 
I didn't call the 10 count. And it was just, it was, it was well known and expressed to me that that can't happen again. So. Wow. I mean, Jessica, thank you so much for the time today. Uh, Really, truly appreciate it. Congratulations on all of it. And you're absolutely right. I think now we're at that point where these historic moments are running out. And and a lot of that has to be because of what you have done and what you have accomplished. So um, I want to give you your flowers here this morning to you because in a lot of ways you are a trendsetter. You're a trendsetter in the world of the WWE in this industry. So I hope you're aware of that. And thank you for everything that you have given this business and what you've been able to accomplish so far in your career. No, thank you very, very much. I, I really appreciate that. And there's said, uh, I never want to settle and I just want to continue to do more. That's it. What is the first thing you're going to go do when this interview is over? Uh, probably. Oh, I have some phone calls I have to do for my nutrition coach. No, you're going to go do your dozens. <laughs> Stop. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica Carr, Jessica, thank you so much for the time. We truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you again. It means a lot. Keep up the great work. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open every day of the week at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. Stock have too high a price? Buy a slice. Trade fractional shares of your favorite U.S. stocks and ETFs in any dollar amount you choose with zero commissions online. Get started at Fidelity.com slash Stocks by the Slice. Fractional share quantities can be entered to three decimal places if the value of the order is at least one cent. Dollar-based trades can be entered to two decimal places. Sell orders are subject to an activity assessment fee from one cent to three cents per $1,000 of principal. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 